Hello and welcome back to Band Biographies with me, Tom Austin Morgan, your host, to let you know what's been going on since the last episode went out and what you can expect from the next one. Band Biographies is a proud member of the Pantheon podcast network of music-based podcasts. Be sure to visit pantheon.com to find a whole host of different types of show on all sorts of music. It's an honour to be placed amongst such brilliant shows. Firstly, I'd like to thank Pete Trainer for his time last month, and I hope some of you bought his book, Calling All the Dreamers, for yourselves or a music-loving loved one this Christmas. Pete was a great guest and a real gent, and hopefully he will be able to arrange an interview with the band at some point very soon, and we can get their point of view on their incredible story. I hope that you had a restful holiday period, and if you celebrate it, that you had a wonderful time. However, I am aware that not everyone enjoys this time of year. I'm not the biggest fan of it myself and often feel the pressure of living up to a standard. I much prefer a quiet Christmas seeing small groups of people at a time, and rather than exchanging presents no one really needs, just simply eating and drinking with them. If you're in the same camp, I hope you have people you can talk to about how you feel, and that you didn't spend your time on your own or suffering. Uh, 2023 has been a strange year, personally, with a lot of distractions and some truly horrible things happening out there in the news. In fact, I've almost entirely weaned myself off from watching or reading any news at all. But we've been spoiled with some absolutely brilliant music this year. Some standout albums for me have been Iggy Pop's Every Loser, Grade 2's self-titled album, both of the Meth's Broken Britain EPs, One in a Thousand by Abay Robots, Tomorrow Never Comes by Rancid, In Time's New Roman by Queens of the Stone Age, Smile by Skindred, Race the Night by Ash, One More Time by Blink-182, and The Theatre of the Absurd presents Sailor V by Madness, which is roughly one album per month out of the uncountable others released this year. And 2024 looks to be shaping up quite nicely as well if the singles from Alkaline Trio, Green Day, Idols, Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes and Some 41 are anything to go by. Plus we'll have the first of two final albums by No Effects, so there's a lot to look forward to in the next 12 months too. Let me know what you were listening to on repeat in 2023 and what you're looking forward to getting your grubby mitts on in 2024 on social media or via email. I'd love to have a chat with you about it. But now, on to the news. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. 
Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. NoFX have announced the Australian leg of their farewell tour. The band will play two shows each in Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane. The band will be playing three albums in full at each show. Frenzel Rom, The Bennies, Void, Flangepanis, Body Jar, Clowns, Fever Shack, Something Something Explosion and Charlotte and the Harlots will be joining them on select dates. No effects will then go on to tour Europe in the spring and North America in the summer and autumn where they'll play their very final shows ever. Spanish music festival Tsunami Zixon has announced its initial lineup for 2024. Bad Religion, Enter Shikari, Alkaline Trio, Young Blood, Royal Blood, The Mysterines and lots more will be playing the festival which takes place on the 19th and 20th of July at Parque Hermanos Castro in Gijón, Spain. Justin Giver, aka Justin Sane of Anti-Flag, who broke up earlier this year following multiple accusations against the singer of sexual assault, predatory behaviour and statutory rape, has been sued for sexual assault by Christina Sahadi, who shared her experience with the singer on an episode of the Enough podcast in July. Sahadi is also suing the band's distribution company, Hard Work Distribution, which includes the other members of the band, Patrick Bollinger, or Pat Thetic, Chris Head and Chris Barker, or Chris Number 2, according to a Rolling Stone article written by Shane Roundtree, who also wrote an in-depth piece about the allegations against the singer in September, which broke the story. Sahadi also released a statement on Instagram which read, Today, November the 22nd, 2023, in the final hours of the open window for the Adult Survivors Act in New York, I filed a lawsuit against Justin Sane Giver, the singer who raped me, and his enablers. I recognise my privileged position to seek accountability where so many of his other victims cannot. I recognise the shame, the fear and the legal restrictions that so often prevent survivors from seeking justice and I choose to stand up for all of us. In the last five months I have learned the levels of his depravity and witnessed the inaction of those around him who could have and should have intervened to protect us. 
Justin Giever used his platform as a celebrated, self-proclaimed punk rock star to groom and lure vulnerable girls into feeling safe in his presence. While he sang about protecting women and standing up to abusers, it appears he was hiding an addiction to power and control, harming countless women who have been unable to speak up before now. Today, I hope to encourage his survivors, and survivors of other predators in the music industry, to feel hope again. Sahadi's attorneys, Karen Barth Menzies and Dr. Anne Olivieris, also released statements which appeared in the Rolling Stone article. Dr. Olivieris said, I predict that in five years the music industry will be viewed the same way as the Catholic Church or the Boy Scouts, a powerful force that also enabled and shielded sexual predators for decades. Drugs, sex and rock and roll was a reality that meant a lot of young women got abused. The bands had handlers who made it all happen and executives who covered it all up because so much money depended on it. Menzies' statement read, The decision to file a lawsuit takes great courage and is often not possible for so many survivors of sexual assault. Accountability is only attainable when survivors stand up for themselves and each other. Crass have announced that they will be releasing a book called Crass, A Pictorial History. The book has been in the works for over 30 years and is 364 pages long. It will be out in late spring via Existencil Press. Crass said on Instagram, After working on this book on and off for over 30 years, trying to gather and piece together the Crass jigsaw puzzle, it finally became time to say it's finished. Of course, in this particular case, Finished means not finished, and it will be left to the viewer to correct all the mistakes you will undoubtedly find. Even so, we hope that you will find this book of interest, if not an inspiration to fight on. Like the book, finding peace is never finished, and the injustices to each other rage on and on. Thank you to all who contributed, dug deep and found all the bits you could find from the day. They are now given back to you in this book. Sadly, over the 30 years, the names of so many of you have been lost but your contribution and generosity is not. Thank you. Kevin Geordie Walker, founding member and guitarist of Killing Joke and godfather of industrial rock guitar, has passed away at the age of 64 after suffering a stroke. The band released a statement on Instagram that read, It is with extreme sadness we confirm that at 6.30am on the 26th of November 2023 in Prague, Killing Joke's legendary guitarist Kevin Geordie Walker passed away after suffering a stroke. He was surrounded by family. We are devastated. Rest in peace, brother. Geordie joined the band in 1979 and played on all of their releases, the last of which was the Lord of Chaos EP in 2022. He was also a member of industrial music supergroups The Damage Manual and Murdering. No man was cooler than Geordie, one of the very best and most influential guitarists ever, the band's bassist Martin Youth Glover wrote on an Instagram post after Walker's death was announced. He was like Lee Van Cleef meets Terry Thomas via Noel Coward, very charming, inscrutable and gracious, with a gentle, effortless touch both on the guitar and making you feel welcome. That is, when he wasn't shredding you with his razor-sharp articulate shrapnel. Killing Joke singer, keyboardist Jazz Coleman said in a statement, I spoke to Geordie last week. He began our hour-long conversation with There He Is, and apart from a flu, he was in fine spirits and looking forward to the future with optimism. We reincarnated before, and we will reincarnate again. I have never left his side in 44 years. Tears. 
Drummer Paul Ferguson added, We're devastated by the news of our brother's sudden passing. Our collective look forwards have come to naught, and the maestro strummed his last glorious chords. I was honoured to play in the band with him, a rare talent and wit who suffered no fools. Rest in peace, Jords. New York emo pioneers Taking Back Sunday will be playing three shows in the UK in March. They'll be playing the O2 Ritz in Manchester on the 26th, the O2 Forum Kentish Town in London on the 27th, and the University Great Hall in Cardiff on the 28th to promote their new album. The Isle of Wight's Grade 2 will also be playing a handful of dates in March, which add to the end of their European tour from the 24th of January to the 3rd of February, where they'll be visiting venues in France, Austria, Germany, Switzerland and Czechia. The March dates will see them play Willem 1 in Arnhem in the Netherlands on the 21st of March, Patronat in Haarlem also in the Netherlands on the 22nd, and the Oilst Omflof Festival in Alst in Belgium on the 23rd. Metal monster band Guar is working on a new movie called Guar Must Die. It's written by Mike Dirks, the personal slave of Guar guitarist Balzac, The Jaws of Death, and Jason Kravsky is directing. The plot concerns an object headed towards Earth that will destroy the planet, and Guar must assemble as the result of the threat. This will be Guar's first feature film since 2001's It's Sleazy, though they've released live videos and documentaries since then. Atlanta's Shaky Knees Festival has announced its lineup for 2024. Weezer, The Offspring, Foo Fighters, Billy Idol, Sunny Day Real Estate, Dinosaur Jr., Nova Twins, Queens of the Stone Age and many more will be playing the festival on the 3rd to the 5th of May at Central Park in Atlanta. Californian ska punks Mad Caddies are touring Canada. The jaunt kicks off in mid-February and runs through early March and hits venues right across the country. They'll be supported by Belvedere for the first half and K-Man and the 45s for the second. Shane McGowan, the legendary frontman of the Pogues, passed away at the age of 65 on the 30th of November after recently being hospitalised for viral encephalitis. A statement written by his wife Victoria Mary Clark, his sister Siobhan and his father Morris was released on the band's Instagram page and read it is with the deepest sorrow and heaviest of hearts that we announce the passing of Shane McGowan. Shane died peacefully at 3am this morning with his wife Victoria and family by his side. Prayers and the last rites were read which gave comfort to his family. He is survived by his wife Victoria, his sister Siobhan and his father Morris, family and a large circle of friends. Further details will be announced shortly but the family ask for privacy at this very sad time. Shane's life is a hard one to track owing to a lot of self-mythologising he did over the years, but there's no doubt he was part of the London punk scene in the late 70s and founded his first band, the Nipple Erectors, later shortened to the Nips, and eventually formed the band Pogue Mahone, later again shortened to the Pogues, that mixed traditional Irish folk music with the speed and aggression of punk rock. Unfortunately, he's best known for the Christmas perennial fairy tale of New York, which would be enough for most people, but those who really know, really understand what a gifted poet and songwriter he was, despite his lifelong drug and drink addictions hampering him in certain periods of his life, leading to his ejection from the band in 1991, where he was replaced by Joe Strummer for a while, though Shane immediately formed the Popes until rejoining the Pogues a few years later. 
A fall in 2015 then left him unable to walk and the bulk of his time was spent watching films at home, one of his greatest pleasures, and being cared for by Victoria. In January 2018, he was presented with a Lifetime Achievement Award by National Concert Hall patron and President of Ireland Michael D Higgins, on a night when guests including Johnny Depp, Bono and Nick Cave performed some of his songs. A few months later, he was in London receiving an Ivor Novello Inspiration Award in another nod to his songwriting genius. The recognition of his extraordinary contribution to music was completed the following year, when The Late Late Show broadcast a special tribute, underlining Shane's significance in the story of Irish music and the intrinsic relationship between his songs and those he heard on the radio during his childhood trips to Tipperary. From the Dropkick Murphys and the Libertines to Fontaine's DC, he was an inspirational figure, and the timeless nature of his songs and their preoccupation with the human experience means that they will resonate with generations to come. I'm lucky enough to have seen him perform live in various states many times over the years, and always, always had a brilliant time at them, which is exactly how I'll be remembering him. Bristolian Punk's Idols have announced North American tour dates for this spring, which add to their previously announced dates for Asia and Europe. They start at the PNE Forum in Vancouver on the 3rd of May and finish at the Fillmore in New Orleans on the 13th of June, after which they play four dates in the UK before flying back across the pond to pick up the second leg, which starts at Rabbit Rabbit in Asheville, North Carolina on the 14th of September and finishing up at the Pepsi Centre in Mexico City on the 4th of October. Busy boys. German music festival Full Force has announced their first wave lineup for 2024. Dropkick Murphys, Bad Religion, Madball, and many, many more are among the bands playing on the 21st to 23rd of June at Ferropolis in Grafenhainich. Sonic Temple Fest takes place on the 15th to 19th of May in Columbus, Ohio. Bands playing include The Misfits, Kerry King of Slayer, who will be playing with his new solo band at their debut performance, Judas Priest, L7, Rise Against, Slipknot, Limp Biscuit, Sum 41, and a whole bunch of other metal bands are playing. Cruel World has announced its lineup for 2024 Duran Duran, Interpol, Blondie, Simple Minds, Placebo, Soft Cell, Adamant, Ministry, The Jesus and Mary Chain, Gary Newman, who will be performing The Pleasure Principle in full, Heaven 17, The Mission UK, The Stranglers, Lol Tolhurst and Budgie, The Alarm, and many more will play the festival, which takes place on the 11th of May at Brookside at the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, California. The Damned have announced their final Australian tour, where they'll play five dates in late March, with the new Vanian Sensible Scabies Grey Monty Oxymoron lineup. The band did not issue a statement detailing why this jaunt is their final Australian tour specifically, or if we should expect other final tours in other countries soon. Spotify will significantly change its royalty structure in 2024. The most significant changes are three main items. Number one, if a track generates less than 1,000 plays in a year, that artist or rights holder will receive no payout. Spotify claims those micro payouts will then be distributed into a larger royalty pool. Number two, 
Labels and distributors will be fined roughly $90 for any track that's determined to have 90% or higher fraudulent streams. Streams played by non-humans for the purposes of generating income, for example. And number three, non-music noise tracks must now be at least two minutes long in order to qualify for royalties, and each play will count for one-fifth of a music track's stream. Spotify states that this move is due to the fact that a significant portion of money for non-popular tracks never makes it to the end party since digital distributors will hold back payments until the payout reaches a certain number. Since Spotify pays out roughly between 0.003 and 0.005 dollars per stream, it is likely most distributors hold back payments for tracks that do not even stream 1,000 plays per year. This apparently will mean that two-thirds of the tracks on Spotify will never get a payout, because most tracks on Spotify receive no plays or very few plays. A number of tracks on Spotify are even artificially generated for the purpose of making money off autoplay. Spotify estimates that around $40 million that would have been paid to the non-popular tracks will be shifted to the remaining artists. Spotify adds that the demonetization represents only 0.5% of money that would have been paid out, not being paid out under the old mode. This of course means that smaller, or even mid-tier bands who don't have the clout of major artists, are going to be missing out on a wedge of payments that they may have relied upon in previous years. This all goes to prove that you really should buy your music instead of streaming it, and preferably from the band's website or at a gig in person, otherwise you never know you could be stunting the rise of a band better than any of the already established acts out there. A bit preachy perhaps, but streaming has devalued music so much, and all for the profit of business people rather than the artists. Support musicians, or you'll end up living in a world of generic, formulaic and bland pop music produced by AI. Frank Turner has announced the seventh instalment of his festival Lost Evenings. It will take place in Toronto, Ontario at the Great Canadian Casino Resort on the 19th to 22nd of September. Over those four days, Turner will be playing acoustically, playing songs from his first five albums with the Sleeping Souls, perform new songs, and play a greatest hit set. Japanese festival Punk Spring has announced Sum 41 and No Effects as its headliners for 2024, these festival appearances will be part of both bands' ongoing farewell tours. The Damned, Suicidal Tendencies, Neck Deep, Zebrahead and The Vandals will also be playing, with more acts to be announced. Punk Spring will take place at Makahari Messe in Tokyo on the 16th to 17th of March. Punk Rock Holiday have announced their lineup for 2024. Rise Against, Flogging Molly, Descendants, Alkaline Trio, Less Than Jake, Comeback Kid, Mad Caddies, Zebrahead, The Toasters, Grade 2 and many, many more will be playing the festival between the 5th to the 9th of August in Tolmin, Slovenia. Washington Punk's Bikini Kill will be playing a benefit show for the Palestinian Children's Relief Fund in January. The show will take place at the Capitol Theatre in Olympia, Washington on the 27th. Selma Al-Aswad will speak at the show, and the Ghost Ease will be playing support. Bikini Kill will also be touring Mexico and South America in March, and Europe and the UK in June. The band's singer Kathleen Hanna will also be going on a book tour of the US in May for the release of her memoir Rebel Girl, My Life as a Feminist Punk, 
which will be out on the 14th of May. A portion of ticket sales will be donated to Peace Sisters, a non-profit that helps girls in Togo access education. A live stream of the Seattle date will take place on the 22nd of May. Legendary US punk bands Social Distortion and Bad Religion will co-headline a tour of the USA supported by a band called The Love Bombs in 2024, where Social Distortion will be playing all of their album Mummy's Little Monster. The trek kicks off in early April and runs through the majority of May. Punk Rock Bowling has announced its 2024 lineup. Madness, Devo and Descendants will headline the festival. Other bands playing include Gogo Bordello, Billy Bragg, Gorilla Biscuits, Stiff Little Fingers, Subhumans, Lagwagon, Madball, 999, English Beat, Scatterlights, Bad Cop, Bad Cop and more. The club shows are expected to be announced in the next few months. Punk Rock Bowling will take place on the 24th to the 27th of May in Las Vegas. Brazilian heavy metal band Sepultura has stated that they will tour over the next 18 months before calling it a day. They stated, Sepultura has reached the end of the road and has chosen to depart via a conscious and planned death. Throughout the next 18 months, we will celebrate 40 years of existence together along with our loyal fans on a farewell tour across the entire globe. It will be a celebration of the past and the present for one final time. Legendary Barclay-based punk venue 924 Gilman has announced that they are in the process of replacing their side door with double doors, meaning the venue will increase its capacity from 225 to between 500 and 550, as well as increase venue safety. To help fund this endeavour, the venue has launched a Kickstarter with the goal of raising $20,000. If you donate $100, you'll receive a 4-5 inch piece of the wall that currently surrounds the existing door. The wall chunk will also come with a certificate of authenticity which will be signed by a Gilman volunteer. Why didn't someone get me one of those for Christmas? Underrated oi band Coxsparrow have announced that they will be releasing their 8th and final studio album called Hand on Heart on the 5th of April. The band will be playing two album launch shows in the UK, one on the 6th of April at the O2 Shepherd's Bush Empire in London and the other on the 13th at the O2 Academy Glasgow. More details about the album will be released soon. Dead Kennedy's iconic debut album Fresh Fruit for Rotting Vegetables has crossed a record industry threshold and is now a gold record in the USA signifying that the album has sold 500,000 copies in the States since its release on the 2nd of September 1980. However, the band was also notified that the album may have gone gold some time ago, since the record was also sold directly by Alternative Tentacles and other small and medium distributors whose sales are not tracked by the RIAA. Manny Martinez, who was the drummer in the early lineup of The Misfits, has passed away. Martinez played on the band's first single, Cough Cool, and featured on its cover alongside Danzig and Jerry Only. Martinez is credited with introducing the two after bassist Diane de Piazia left the band. Martinez played about eight shows with Misfits before leaving the group. Californian hardcore punk band Black Flag has announced a new leg of the My War US tour, which is currently happening and will go on through to the end of March. For this tour, the band plays all of My War as a first set 
and then does a second set that draws mostly from the nervous breakdown through to damage records. New York hardcore punk Sick of It All are playing Europe and the UK this summer, starting in Frankfurt, Germany on the 5th of March and ending up in Czechia on the 7th of April. And now, onto this month's single and EP reviews. Firstly, Feeder released The Knock and Soldier of Love as a double single on the 24th of November. The Knock is a classic bit of Feeder-style soaring, driving rock with really distorted, fuzzy bass that I really love. Soldier of Love, on the other hand, starts off with bagpipes and marching drums before turning into a mellow, almost folk-tinged ballad. I'm sure I can hear mandolins in there. Lovely stuff, and I now can't wait for the album Black Red that comes out on the 5th of April. Also at the end of November, Gypsy Punk's Gogo Bordello teamed up with New Order's Bernard Sumner to record versions of the Angelic Upstart song Solidarity, with lyrics changed to reflect the continuing situation in Ukraine. The song was released in two mixes, one done by Bernard Sumner called Right to Freedom, and one by Eugene Hutz called Unity. The Sumner mix is more minimal and electronic than the Hutz one, which is to be expected I suppose, but both are really effective. All proceeds from these songs go towards Kind Deeds, an organisation that helps wounded Ukrainian soldiers. So go and buy them. On the 29th of November, Derry's pop-punks Cherim released a new single called It's Not Me, It's You, ahead of their upcoming album Take It or Leave It, which will be out on February the 16th via Alcopop Records. It's another wonderful slab of pop-punk goodness from this band that's fast becoming a real favourite of mine. Yet again, my pop-loving tendencies are coming to the fore here. I can't wait to hear the full album when it finally arrives. On the 4th of December, Chicago goth punk's Alkaline Trio released the second single from their forthcoming album, Blood, Hair and Eyeballs, which comes out on the 26th of January. The song is called Bad Time and continues what I hoped would be an amazing comeback from a band I've loved for years. It's right back to their Good Morning and Crimson period, and further backs up the fact that Matt Skiba leaving Blink-182 has been a great thing for Alkaline Trio. On the 6th of December, Bristol's Idols released a second single called Grace, and it's another slow burner, further pointing towards a left turn away from the incendiary output from this band over the years. Maybe they're mellowing with age, or maybe they're gently pulling the rug out from under our feet before knocking us over with an incredibly frantic album, which could be hinted at with the noisy crescendo on this track. The same day, pop-punk stalwarts Green Day released Dilemma, the third single from their very soon-to-be-released album Saviors. It's a slower song than the previous two, but it's still an absolute gold-plated, imperial-era-sounding song about addiction and mental illness, which harks back to warning-era songs from their catalogue. On the 13th of December, outgoing Canadian pop-punk's Sum 41 released Rise Up, the second single from their final album, Heaven and Hell, which will be 20 tracks long and split into two halves, and will be out on the 29th of March. Rise Up is a real rager of a song that features a heavy metal style breakdown, signifying that it's going to be on the hell side of the double album. I'm really looking forward to this one too, as I fell out of love with this band, 
but realised that I missed out on a lot of great music since All Killer No Filler in 2003. On the same day, legendary goth rockers The Cult released a double single entitled Death Cult 8323, featuring the songs C.O.T.A. and Flesh and Bone, which are from an expanded version of their latest album Under the Midnight Sun, and were originally songs by their early incarnation, when they were known as Death Cult. As such, these songs are really gothic and atmospheric, which really suits latter-day Ian Asprey's voice. What a band. The final and strangest release on the 13th of December was Australian drum and bass band Pendulum's cover of the Taylor Swift song Antihero, which they've turned into a huge metal-infused dance song, and it really works. Now, there was only one album that I've been keeping an eye on that came out this month. On the 24th of November, Frank Turner's backing band The Sleeping Souls released its first album with American vocalist Kahiro Doherty, called Just Before the World Starts Burning. It's not entirely clear where their sound comes from if this is the kind of album they produced on their own, compared to the songs they play with Turner, but there are certainly some familiar motifs that echo through. Specifically, the lead singles Liar, Lover and Rivals are more in the wheelhouse of Turner's self-confessional storytelling style. However, elsewhere on the album there are songs that use synths as more of a driving force, whereas on others it's more traditional meat-and-potatoes rock fare. Similar to Turner, they sing a lot about relationships, but they're not as overt and raw as he is. More they abstract things just enough to be more distanced, and so the lyrics invite slightly more interpretation. In a way, it's a more mature record than a fledgling band should make. It's incredibly atmospheric, but then they've been touring the world for the last decade or so, so it should come as no surprise, really. Before the World Starts Burning is an album made for Late Night Journey's home, ripe with regret and emotional dissection. O'Doherty said of the album, It's been a very collaborative experience with everyone bringing ideas and throwing them into the mixing pot. Lyrically, the album touches on a few different subjects, lost love, frustration, escapism and obsession. But at its core, it's about my relationship with my family. The process of writing and recording this album has been cathartic and helped me survive. To celebrate the album's release, the band will be heading out on their own headline tour in January, accompanied by co-headliner Sean McGowan. And now for the next episode, and it's going to be another interview one with co-lead vocalist, guitarist and driving force behind the Washington-based punk band Potbelly, Jason Potbelly. The band has been around and touring since 1995 and has built up quite the community by producing split EPs and compilation albums with a plethora of well-known and unsigned bands over the years, as well as relentlessly touring around the US. They're finally coming to the UK this summer and I'll be playing with them at their first show in London in July with my band Swamp Stomper. Jason has so many stories from seeing the cream of the Seattle grunge scene play in tiny venues and house parties in the 80s and 90s, to insights about the political environment of the US and the crazy goings on in his area during Covid. I'm really excited for you to hear it. Please do get in touch about the music you've been listening to recently, whether you've got differing opinions on the songs and albums I've talked about today, or just for a general chat on all of the social media platforms and the email address that's in the show notes. Until next time, 
Take good care of yourself. Pick someone else up if they fall down. See you in the pit. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com. Code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.